Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about superannuation returns for the financial year ending 30 June 2022 uh, and in particular highlight which industry super fund uh, I think is the best. I guess the first observation is that uh, broadly returns were negative last financial year um, but we've got to keep a a longer term uh, context in mind and, and really the previous 18 month period leading into the last financial year were were pretty stellar you know, sort of double digit returns, uh, many funds actually getting close to 20% returns. So yes, we lost a little bit of um, growth last year, but in context, the last say two to three years, uh, returns are still pretty healthy. Uh, and notwithstanding, we know markets bounce back, uh, the market will recover, um, returns will recover uh, as long as it's invested wisely. Uh, so I've uh, got a table, uh, which obviously difficult to go through uh, on a podcast, but the, it's uh, the links in the show notes and on the blog on the website, and it lists the uh, top eight industry super funds. So really, the the, the largest and uh, most well known as uh, industry super funds, uh, and Host Plus uh, is at the top of the list with a, a positive return of one point five seven percent, and Uni Super is at the bottom of the list. Uh, with a negative return of 4.17%, uh, so positive 1.5% uh, versus a negative uh, 4% return. It's a pretty big, pretty wide range this year. Normally when you look at the top eight uh, industry super funds, the returns are pretty tight. You know, there's not a big gap between uh, number one and number eight. But of course, it's not possible that you're going to choose a industry super fund and they're going to be the best performing in every single period. Uh, in fact, that should be uh, that should raise uh, some level of scepticism, I think. Uh, there are going to be periods where, uh, because uh, long-term performance is the most important priority, uh, that sometimes uh, funds will take positions that they know might not serve them very well in the short run, um, but will deliver good long-term returns. Uh, so it's not it's not uh, meaningful to drop your fund uh, just because they've been the worst perform- performed the last period of time. It's really focusing on longer term returns that are, that is um, is key. And when you look at long term returns out of the, the these top eight super funds, uh, they range between um, eight and about nine and a half percent. So they're still pretty good returns, um, but there's a bigger gap, I think. Uh, when we look at sort of longer term returns, uh, something to be mindful of. Now, I'm just looking at what I would regard as a, a balanced asset allocation, so pre-mixed balanced option. Uh, they all call them uh, different names, but really where there's 60 to 75% in growth assets. Uh, the, I've done a comparison for growth asset allocation, so something a bit more aggressive. Uh, and again, you'll be able to find uh, that in the a link in the, the show notes. Now, whilst headline returns are important and meaningful, uh, it's important to really give consideration to risk as well, because I might be able to deliver a 10% return to you, but if I'm taking extraordinary risk, uh, then the probability of me delivering that 10% return each and every year is very low, because if I'm taking high risk, that means high volatility, uh, and it's something that you want to be mindful of. One of the concerns that I've had with industry super funds uh, is their lack of transparency, particularly with unlisted investment assets. 
And, and I discussed that last year. And again, you'll be able to see that blog on the website. And of course, there's a, a podcast on it as well. But the reality is when we're investing money, transparency invites more accountability, which is an absolute necessary ingredient, I think, that is accountability, uh, especially when money is concerned. Um, And that's why I'm so attracted to rules-based, evidence-based investment investment methodologies, because they're 100% transparent on what you're investing in, what the exposure is, uh, how it would have performed uh, previously, like if you had have used that rules-based, evidence-based approach previously. Uh, and it means absolute transparency means there's there's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to hide risks. There's nowhere to hide um, fees or hidden problems and so forth. Whereas if we invest in a very opaque product, um, it increases the risk because we really can't understand the risk inherent in the underlying investments and also the investment manager we're placing a lot of um, faith in the investment manager because you know there could be some fees that are being charged aren't tra- some conflicts of interest you know these and I sound very skeptical um, but I think a healthy level of skepticism is uh, very worthwhile when you're what you're ultimately doing is investing your retirement savings and if those savings are looked after you'll have a very comfortable retirement. But of course, the reverse is true also. Now, on the 20th of July, I read a very interesting article in the Australian Financial Review, uh, and it was really comparing the approach that two industry super funds use to value a unlisted investment. Uh, And this unlisted investment was in an Australian technology company called Canva. In fact, we use it at ProSolution, uh, and it's an online sort of graphic design sort of software that makes graphic design really easy. Well, there's two industry super funds that have invested in Canva. Uh, it's an unlisted company, uh, Host Plus and Aware Super. Um, and they have both adopted very different valuations as at 30 June 2022. Uh, Aware Super actually reduced its uh, valuation, quite rightly so, I think, as technology company valuations have fallen substantially. However, Host Plus didn't amend its valuation. Now, I remind you that Host Plus was the only fund to report a half a percent, one and a half percent positive return. Uh, and uh, the comments in the AFR were perhaps if they had of uh, revalued their um, substantial investment in uh, in Canva, it's uh, I think close to one and a half billion dollars, uh, then their return would have been negative. So kind of interesting. Now, when you look at valuations of unlisted technology companies, Uh, There's a business, a payment business called Stripe in the US, uh, and it um, reported a 28% lower valuation in July. So it reported its valuation to the market. So it's not unreasonable to expect that HostPlus should have adjusted its valuation. Um, And this is the sort of opaqueness that I think uh, raises concerns. Now, you might sit back and go, okay, well, that's okay. But, you know, um, at the end of the day, they've credited a 1.5% positive return to members. So members have won as a result. Well, that is true in the short term. But what about what happens in the longer term? So um, if it comes, if that comes home to roost, so if they eventually try and list Canva or there's some sort of trade sale, so they exit that investment, which is ultimately what you want to do, unless it's throwing off a lot of cash, which I expect it's not. Um, At some point, they're going to then record a book loss, a a capital loss. And in that period in which they do that, that those members will suffer. 
So if you're investing with Host Plus and you think that it's a bit of, I won't say house of cards, but you know, if you think that there's a lot of investments there that have been overvalued, you're almost better off to take your money away from Host Plus and, um, and sort of bank that higher return than have to hang around and kind of wait for, you know, this ultimately this valuation to um, be proven incorrect. Now, of course, um, I'm not saying it's guaranteed that they're going to make a loss. It's very possible that the technology market will take off, valuations will recover fully, and in fact, uh, Host Plus members could end up making fantastic returns uh, from that investment. It's just at the moment, um, it's very, very clear that technology uh, valuations have uh, reduced um, the, the technology valuations were a bubble, definitely. Now, they could go back to bubble territory. Now, I think longer term, it's all about um, uh, profit and cash flow and those sorts of things, and which that, that has those fundamentals haven't been driving uh, tech valuations. Uh, interestingly, the Superfund regulator, APRA, um, wrote to Superfunds and said they're going to start clamping down on uh, valuations of unlisted investments. So I think this is a, a really big kind of black hole, if you like, uh, something that really needs to be looked at um, because ultimately uh, me as an advisor, you know, if I go and say, let's go and invest our money with Host Plus, um, I'm saying that I'm putting a lot of faith on those um, headline returns that they've reported. And really what I can't do as an advisor is really assess the underlying risk within their portfolio of investments. And that makes me concerned. And um, in, in an event where I can't make a full risk assessment, I would prefer to not invest at all rather than kind of take that risk. So I think what needs to happen is that industry super funds need to become um, uh, more transparent uh, and they need to have similar reporting obligations like listed companies do. So if listed companies learn of something that will materially change its share price, it has to report that to the market. And quite rightly so, to give investors confidence in, in the type of the transparency of information. And the same should be true uh, for super funds, but unfortunately it's not. And I'm not holding my breath that it's going to change anytime soon. Uh, the other concern I have with industry super funds, again, I've mentioned this in um, previous uh, updates in terms of super return updates, which I do around this time of year, uh, each and every year is that they've been uh, gradually uh, internalising investment management. So previously, particularly if you go back, say, 10 years, uh, most of the super funds would have been using professional investment managers. And so they'd go and hire a whole bunch of investment managers to run you know, their Australian portfolio or international portfolio and so forth. Now, because there's pressure to reduce fees, quite rightly so, um, they feel like, well, maybe if we run this money in-house, uh, and go and hire a whole bunch of investment managers and portfolio managers and analysts and so forth, that we can do it for a lower cost, uh, which is probably true. Um, but what is the consequence of that? So would they be able to maintain or sustain uh, those returns? Uh, in fact, Australia's largest industry super fund, which is Australian Super, has a team approaching 250 people that are just running investments. So they build a substantial uh, investment team. There's a couple of problems with this, though. Uh, the first one is, uh, how do you uh, attract and retain great talent? Uh, so portfolio managers, um, you know, they're going to be competing with uh, the, the very large institutions. Um, so will they be able to provide a proposition that really attracts that talent and retains it particularly? 
Uh, and then how do you deal with underperformance? So if you've got an investment manager that's underperforming, uh, you just turn around and cancel their mandate and you sack them. Uh, but that's obviously uh, very more, that's more difficult to do when they're a, a staff member. You know, then you've got to go through a sort of performance management process, but that could be then at the cost of, of returns. So whether the industry super funds will be able to in-house investment management and deliver both the same or better returns at a lower cost is yet to be seen. And again, I guess this is a, a kind of another risk. Uh, the final comment to that would be sometimes when portfolio managers get concerned about um, underperforming, what they will do is start to um, uh, ensure their portfolio doesn't move too far away from the index. Uh, and then essentially what you end up doing is you pay you know, active, uh, much higher active management fees for essentially what is a, what they would call an index hugging, hugging fund. Uh, and, and so that's a problem too. So th there's a few concerns here. Again, it's very possible that in fact they will deliver um, same or better returns for lower fees. I'm not saying they definitely won't. I'm just saying there's a change here um, and that um, past performance may not be a good indicator of future performance because the way that they're investing or managing that investment mandates has changed substantially and, and it's yet to be proven that they're able to deliver those returns. Okay, so let's turn our attention then to who is the best industry fund, Stuart. So um, in terms of uh, investments in the share market, in bonds, cash, and even property, uh, these investments or asset classes are relatively easy to value. Most of them are, are traded in an open market situation. Um, and so with property, you can you can point to comparable sales. Uh, with shares and, and bonds and cash, for example, they're traded on a a daily, hourly, minute-by-minute minute basis. Uh, so it's very transparent what their current market value is. Uh, conversely, alternative assets tend to be predominantly unlisted um, and they can be very difficult to value because there's not a lot of comparable assets um, and also the information about uh, you know, what unlisted assets trade at uh, often uh, has, has shrouded in confidentiality uh, and so that can be difficult to monitor. So I like to invest in, in or recommend industry super funds that have the highest amount invested in assets that are, are traded in an open market situation because that reduces the risk that my super fund is either undervalued or overvalued unlisted assets. Undervaluing can be a problem too, right? Because I'm missing out on those compounding returns because of an inaccurate valuation. Uh, well, there's a there's an outlier here. There's one industry super fund that has uh, substantially less invested in what they call alternative assets, which which are mostly going to be unlisted, uh, and that's Unisuper. So Unisuper has been around for decades. It used to be only available to people that used to that were employed by universities, um, but now is a public offer fund uh, that changed about a year ago, which means that any Australian can become a member. Uh, it only invests 4% of its balanced investment option in alternative assets. That means the rest are invested in assets that are traded on open market. To give you a, a comparison, the, the other seven industry super funds that I compared had somewhere between 16 and 32% invest in alternative asset classes. So that just makes me feel a little bit more concerned 
um, in terms of investing in a fund like that that has doesn't have that much transparency. And so because Unisuper provides the greatest level of transparency, that makes me feel most comfortable. Also, its longer-term returns are very good. It's in the top three. Uh, and its investment fees are the lowest as well, which is important too as a percentage. They're the lowest, which means as your balance grows, you'll be paying uh, less fees, fewer fees than uh, what you would be with uh, other industry super funds. Okay, one final comment before I leave. Uh, there are some industry super funds, most notably uh, Australian Super and Host Plus, that offer index-style investment options. Uh, they're called index diversified or index balanced. Um, and I would just advise people to avoid them. They're, tra- they're just mainly traditional market cap indexing. So there's not a lot of thought put behind the, the or at least diversification uh, amongst different indexing strategies. And for that reason, I don't think they make great investments. Also, um, I think there's a, a little bit of a conflict of interest because if those index options really did work uh, substantially well, uh, Australian Super, for example, wouldn't need to employ almost 250 people to run their investments. Uh, and so there's a conflict of interest there because um, th- there is a heavy influence by the unions um, uh, to employ more people rather than fewer people. Uh, and so those index options, uh, unsurprisingly, have underperformed substantially compared to uh, their normal actively managed options. So in a normal environment, I prefer indexing, but in the industry super funds, I say uh, uh, steer clear of that. Okay, so in summary of the top eight, uh, I would say that most returns have been negative uh, in terms of a loss of 4% or less, uh, and that uh, Unisuper at this stage is standing out as really the best uh, industry super fund Uh, because it has very good long-term returns, it has the lowest investment fees and the highest amount of transparency. Okay, that's it for me this week. Until next week, bye for now.